Hey guys, and welcome to Fanboy Comics Podcast. Of course, I am your host, Clay, and today we're going to be doing something a little different than our usual, you know, flashback, or, or sorry, the Throwback Thursdays, or, you know, the New Book Wednesdays, or whatever. I've... I feel like it's a little cheesy that I'm I'm using those titles, but you know, until I find something new for that, I'm just going to stick with it. But today here Friday, what I wanted to do is I wanted to get a good use of my Marvel Unlimited app and of course the DC Universe app, and I wanted to go into alternate universes. And of course, when it comes to Marvel, the big alternate universe would be the Ultimate Universe. And I asked around, and a good buddy of mine, listener of the show, uh, Tony, he said that the best thing to do was to follow this website. And the website, basically, the website, sorry, uh, basically showed the very beginning of the Ultimate Universe as it was told from uh, the Ultimate Spider-Man all the way to the very end. Uh, and and it does it in clumps, It's so it's not like ultimate spider-man all the way through and then the next one i believe is daredevil and electra it doesn't go all the way through with that it does it in clumps so that way i don't have to just read spider-man for 165 issues or however long the ultimate universe went for you know i get to just do small clumps here and there now i will say the uh, first clump is the ultimate spider-man issues 1 through 13 I thought it was one through five, so that's all I read for now. But you know, it's good to pace yourself, so not just to go all in on thirteen issues. So we're gonna talk about uh, Ultimate Spider-Man one through five today. Next episode will be uh, you know six through ten or whatever. Uh, I want to pace myself, but I do want to get through the entire Ultimate Universe and see how it was. Now, of course. Other than uh, Daredevil and Elektra, there is also just Elektra, there is also Iron Man, but, you know, we'll go all the way down the list until we're completely finished. Now, and on the DC Universe app, as far as alternate worlds, you know, multiverse, whatever, the one that I thought of was Earth 2, but it only has like 50-something issues, which which is a lot, don't get me wrong, but... When it comes to the amount that the Ultimate Universe has altogether, I thought the one story that could possibly compete with it would be the Injustice World. Now, I am very familiar with the Injustice World because I've played the video games, but believe it or not, I've never read any of the issues. So, I believe there is five years of the regular Injustice, and then it goes to Injustice 2. Now, I do want to get into that. And I did read the first five issues of that as well, and we will go over that today. But let's go ahead and get started with Ultimate Spider-Man issues one through five. Now, of course, everybody is wondering, what did I, Clayton, believe this book would be? What did I think about it? Because, of course, it is written by one of the most despised writers of from my perspective anyway, uh, that being Brian Michael Bendis. Now, I remember reading the very first trade. I don't remember the actual content from it, but I remember reading a trade or two, like in Barnes & Noble, way back in the day, uh, when these were still fresher, or newer, you know, smartphones and apps weren't even, you know, existent back then. But... You know, I remember reading it, and I remember having a fond memory. I remember there's a clear uh, fight between Spider-Man and Kingpin that should be coming up 
I don't know when, but I remember that fight clearly, uh, and there being a small little joke there. But, you know, for me, I will say this, and this will surprise you, I did not have much to complain about these first five issues of Spider-Man. And now, I did have, you know, a little bit of pet peeves. The sing-song dialogue here wasn't as dramatic as he does it nowadays. Here, it was maybe one or two word bubbles. Now, in the DC Universe right now, he does it for at least 17 word bubbles on one panel. And it's absolutely atrocious and disgusting and it makes no sense. Here, there's actual conversation between people. I was legitimately surprised that I was able to read an entire conversation without wanting to punch myself in the face. Really surprising. Now, I will say though, one thing that really did bother me is between pages, from one page to the other, there is a lot of random jump cuts that make entirely no sense whatsoever. Now, the reason why I'm saying that, I believe the first one was somewhere in maybe issue two, maybe issue three, but it is, uh, yes, issue two is right here. Uh, Harry and, uh, what, who is this big guy's name? Uh, is it uh, Kong? I think his name is Kong. I can't remember. Uh, but the heavier dude in high school. Uh, he, Him and Harry are talking. And uh, Osborne, Norman, is overhearing him. He's in a full suit. And he says, Harry, come here. And the very next page, you know, Osborne is not in his suit. The room is completely different. And it's, it looks like basically the conversation that they we're about to have is happening right then and there. But this is clearly a jump to a different time, maybe even a different day. And it just doesn't make sense because of how fluid the conversation is. Now, this does happen a lot. It happens a lot, and it was a pet peeve of mine. It made me wonder, okay, in what kind of span is all of this happening? Whether it be, is it a day? Is it two? Is it a couple hours? What is going on? That was one thing that I really uh, had, you know, that really bothered me in this whole thing. But other than that, honestly, the uh, other other than Bendis having this dialogue that just not the sing song dialogue, but for some reason, Bendis always writes as if every character was written in 1920. So it's very cheesy. It's uh like, not, I don't want to say slapstick. I don't know what it is. It's just like that old-timey language. And he has everybody using it, not just the adults. He has the teenagers, Peter. He has Mary Jane. Like, all of these people using it. But then he has those moments where he wants to be, oh, I, I know how the times are now. And there's a huge uh, party because, you know, at one point Peter actually... Uh, leaves Mary, uh, or, uh, Aunt May, sorry, not Mary, uh, Aunt May and Ben, because, you know, he is slipping on grades, and because of this whole Spider-Man thing, and he goes to, you know, this friend from high school, and he crashes at his place, and there's a party, 
and a girl gets all over Peter, you know, she's kind of drunk, and, you know, right here is where Bendis tries to be all in the times, and talks about how, you know, oh, that chick's a slut, and da-da-da, it just felt very weird, but to go from one dramatic end of dialogue to the next, but... Like I said, I actually enjoyed this. Uh, for how much longer will I enjoy this? I do not know. Uh, the the ending here, uh, issue five. I mean, I I liked it. Uh, you know, this whole thing with the uh, telling a new story of an old origin. You know, of course, Bendis wanted to make it his own. It just it just felt weird that the burglar was the same guy who, in, in this case, okay, I understand that, you know, if somebody is robbing, you know, a place, he's going to live in that crime and he'll probably do it periodically throughout the week or the month or whatever, maybe his whole lifetime. But it just felt weird that he, that Peter would unmask this guy and immediately recognize him from an instant that was possibly a day or two later, maybe even three days later. Um, Peter may have a good memory. You know, he's not, he's good with faces. I don't know. It just felt a little off. But after that, that's, you know, this whole like realization of man, Ben was so right. You know, I was lost in the world, but now I know who I am, you know, just for, beating up the guy that killed Ben and now he wants to save all these people in one night it felt weird too I felt like there needed to be some time for Peter to you know absorb this and then possibly learn after a conversation with May or Mary Jane that okay this is something he needs to do not immediately after but like I said I genuinely enjoyed this uh I I'm looking forward to issues 6 through 10, and I'm looking forward to learning a little bit more about the Ultimate Universe, you know? I had no idea that Daredevil and Elektra had their own book in the Ultimate Universe, so I will be happy to, you know, jump into that, and let's go ahead and go to our last book of the day, that being Injustice number one through five, basically the first trade of the series. Now, other than the character designs, I will say this book was basically everything I thought it would have been. Now, of course, this book is written by Tom Taylor. The artist, let me see who it was. The artist was Jeremy uh, Rapak, R-A-A-P-A-C-K. I don't know how to pronounce that off the top of my head. Now, the first book here uh, starts at night. Uh, Clark immediately wakes up to the sound of two heartbeats coming from one person. And no, he is not hearing a... Oh my gosh. What is what is the, the proper... Uh, uh, I almost said Dalek. I'm stupid. What is the proper freaking race of the Doctor? He, uh, Time Lord. Yeah. Time Lord, duh. He is not hearing a Time Lord in the DC Universe. No, he is hearing a heartbeat inside Lois Lane. That being because she is pregnant. Uh, 
you know, and which is a really cool way to find out that Lois is pregnant. Um, I think that it's a little weird that he wouldn't notice anything because I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not a scientist, uh, and I will be completely honest with how long it's been since I was in a health class. I don't know when the embryo has a heart or a heartbeat, you know? I, I would not know that, to be completely honest. But then Clark immediately gets, you know, into this zone of like, okay, we need to run tests. We need to make sure it's safe for you. We need to do this. We need to do that. We need to make sure, hey, we need to leave to Smallville and maybe that'll be safe for the child and all of this. And he's freaking out and Lois throws a book at him and he's like, hey, you know, you're indestructible. I get to throw stuff at you whenever I want. Uh, you need to calm down. You're fine. And she gets a call or a text from... I believe Perry or the Daily Planet. And she is, you know, going to go out to find this guy who is a government official who's getting paid on the table for some shady stuff, whatever. And then Clark actually sees something off in the distance uh, through, of course, his microscopic vision. And he, you know, he's like, okay, I'm going to be busy too. We go our separate ways, blah, blah, blah. That person that he saw in Metropolis is actually Batman. Batman is saying that he's there because he wanted to go to Star Labs. You know, something serious happened. He's, and Clark's like, all right, well, once you're finished here, let me, you know, meet me up top. Which is really cool. You know, Superman didn't get in his way, even though it's his city. Because he knows Batman takes pride in taking care of himself. So, you know, they meet up on a rooftop. And before Clark can even say anything, he, he does say, hey, I have some news. And Batman's just like, Lois is pregnant. And Superman's like, whoa, 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 whoa. How, how, how did you, how did you know this? Like, what's, what's going on? And he's like, well, you're sweaty. Uh, your hands are shaking. Knees weak, palms are sweaty. He's vomiting on a sweater already. Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous, but it, no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I am totally joking. But, uh, basically saying that he senses, you know, that he's, you know, just... Everything that a new father would feel, he notices that that's what he's feeling. And we get a glimpse of what Lois and Jimmy are doing at the docks. That being the governor comes in and is about to, you know, get paid off. And, uh, no, not a governor, sorry, a councilman. And they notice that that's not really the councilman. And when Jimmy puts up the camera to take a picture... A gun is right there at the lens. And like I've my heart skipped a beat. I was like, oh snap, are they really gonna kill Jimmy? Are they seriously gonna do this? And you know, it goes to Bruce and and Clark talking again and saying that they they want Batman to be the godfather. And he says, uh, hey look at that, the world's greatest detective is surprised. Uh, and he's like, Hey, I heard a heartbeat. You know, because he's, he's a new father. He is super excited about this. And it makes Bruce smile. And the person who ends up shooting Jimmy because the gun actually goes off, killing Jimmy, is the Joker. And, it, uh, he you know, he says, hi, Lois. And that's the end of the first issue. Now, the next two issues... You know, I'll, I'll go, you know, this one is a little less to unpack 
as far as the overall Ultimate Spider-Man 1 through 5. Because let me just say this, this also bothered me. I know I already talked about Spider-Man. But the one thing that bothered me about issue number 1 of Spider-Man, it was almost 50 pages. And that just really bothered me. But here, uh, Clark ends up going uh, to Bruce, who is in the middle of this conversation uh, at uh, at Star Labs, or Batman, sorry, at Star Labs with some scientists who did claim that they had kryptonite, but the only reason why they were using it, it wasn't for anything uh, dangerous as far as like being evil. They were seeing if it had any good purposes like curing any diseases or being a power source or anything else like that. But, you know, Superman goes to Batman and he says, hey, she's missing. I can't find Lois anywhere. Please, please help. And so Batman goes on the intercom of the Justice League and tells everybody, hey, we're, you know, number one priority. We need to find this woman. And he has Flash looking all over Metropolis. He doesn't find Lois, but he does find one thing, and that being uh, Crane, who is the Scarecrow, and he's dead. And then Lois finds somebody on the dock who, you know, tells her that, you know, they did see somebody take a submarine. Superman immediately goes to the ocean, finds the submarine, rips it open. Uh, Well, he brings it above water, puts it on land, rips it open, and he sees Joker and Harley trying to operate. And, you know, you see this green cloud. That green cloud, of course, being kryptonite, everybody would know that. And Superman sees Doomsday. He takes Doomsday up into the sky, starts fighting him. And at this point, Batman is super pissed at what Joker is doing. And they need to find out exactly what is going on and what is uh, what exactly Joker is planning. Uh, Green Lantern is there, Wonder Woman is there, Flash, and Batman, all there questioning him. And he basically says that he basically combined the Kryptonite and the Scarecrow uh, fear toxin. And Batman immediately tells Superman, like, stop, don't, don't stop fighting Doomsday, it's not real. You need to, you know, snap out of it. And Superman notices he immediately killed Lois. He killed Lois right then and there because he thought it was uh, he thought it was Doomsday. And Joker said what he was doing when operating is he put a bomb or a detonator inside of Lois. So when her heart stopped, a nuclear bomb would go off on Metropolis. And when her heart stops, Metropolis goes boom, dead. All of most of Metropolis, I will say that. So, you know, all the heroes are saving the rest of the people that are in Metropolis. Superman is still there with a dead Lois weeping. And Batman is back in Gotham with Joker questioning him. Like, why exactly did they, why did he do it? And Joker says, the only reason why I did this is because I'm tired of losing. When I was, you know, playing with you, I always lost. And I will say, he, well, he said uh, that it was easy, you know, doing this to Superman. 
because of how hard it was usually to play his games with Batman. You know, Superman at that point asks Wonder Woman, you know, where exactly Batman is, where Joker is. Well, he asks uh, Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, and Hal tells him, and Superman immediately starts flying. Now, Hal, being, you know, surprisingly level-headed, tells him to, like, hey, stop, take a breather, don't do anything you would regret, and Superman stops him immediately, was able to take the ring off of him, set him down, and then take the communicator away from him, uses heat vision to blow it up. He goes straight into the Gotham PD, crashes through the wall, grabs Joker, and puts his arm straight through his heart. And that was kind of terrifying. I understand that this is something that I already knew, but just seeing it for myself for the first time, uh, like the reasoning and it all play out, there was still emotion there. You know, for somebody as what you would say incorruptible because Batman does say that at one point he tells Joker that there's some things you just can't corrupt and unfortunately he was wrong because now Superman you know has killed somebody the one rule that Superman has always had uh well I mean all the heroes at DC uh you know he actually killed him and so we move on to Harley uh she was, you know, uh, she was basically trying to get herself killed because she didn't care anymore because Joker was dead. Now, Green Arrow was able to capture her uh, and wanted to take her into his arrow cave because it was lined with lead. It was the safest place she could be. You know, there was some jokes here and there about how he should have named it the Quiver and basically at the very end, you know, with her being complete psycho, uh, she wants him to laugh. And it's very pitiful, but, you know, he ends up doing it. Uh, he ends up, you know, joking uh, or laughing methodically, just like Harley asked. And uh, the reason being is there was a joke earlier about how uh, nobody can you know, resist a fake mustache, or the fake mustache is, like, one of the best jokes, or however they worded it here, and she, like, looks up again at Green Arrow, and she does have a fake mustache, and that's what makes Green Arrow laugh, and it makes, you know, her happy. So, I am looking forward to learning a little bit more about the Injustice world. I understand that, you know, like I said, there are five years that are prior to what the video game uh, displays as far as story uh, and then afterward I believe there's like in between stuff that goes into uh, Injustice 2 but uh, thank you guys so much for you know listening this is a shorter episode than what I usually put out for the other shows but thank you so much please uh, subscribe to the podcast and please share it um, I'm wanting to really expand the community that I have here and I'm loving the books that I am reading and I have a whole bunch planned for the month of April going forward and as far as this whole pandemic goes with that planning hopefully uh, we can still go through with it when things go back to normal but with that guys thank you so much for listening today and I will see you guys tomorrow